Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Egg Chasers podcast, episode 8. Is episode 8, isn't it? Think so. I, I've got confused now because there was there was a week of technical problems fraught with technical issues we were last week, uh, but we are back to normal uh, and we are. Well, I'm Tim. That's JB. Hi, Tim. And uh, and Phil as well. Hi, Tim. And uh, to quote the Daily Telegraph, uh, you are listening to one of the best sports podcasts available. It's energetic, informed, and pleasingly convivial. Uh, just a big question: What what does convivial mean? Does anyone know? <laughs> I'm not sure. But interestingly, I read that, and you're the closest person I know to being famous. Are we famous now? I don't think we can go, go along with that one. Really? Because I've just dumped my girlfriend. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. You, are you, you expect- I've just dumped my girlfriend, and I demand access to VIP clubs now. So. Well, well, we were on a short list of five podcasts um, that the Telegraph recommended, so thank you to them for that. Uh, thank you for listening, and if you uh, fancy it, how about subscribing, and then you will get this delivered to you. You won't even have to go through the rigmarole of uh, clicking on an episode, uh, but very much appreciate you having a listen. And uh, coming up, we've got some corking stuff on the way. Uh, we're going to be talking about the internationals that happened over the weekend, the Premiership as well, picking a Halloween 15 because uh, it was Halloween last week, and talking about, well, I don't know, is there an issue of drinking and rugby uh, in, in a negative way? Because obviously there's, there's, lots, there's, there's a good way on a, on a Saturday evening at every rugby club up and down the land. But let's get underway then with the internationals, as we were talking about. Right then, uh, England chalked up a win at HQ. Just. Just. Not impressed. Not impressed. <laughs> Says resident Welshman JB. <laughs> they just looked average. <laughs> I mean, I, there, uh, there's been premiership games this year which I've enjoyed more, to, to be fair. Yeah, there, there was bits of attacking rugby. The, the best um, attacking players on the pitch were the two full-backs, yeah. um, Falau and Brown, and um, Bruno Pola at eight. He made some great, powerful runs. It just seemed flat. Yeah. I, I felt it was flat. Uh, but just uninspiring. A win is a win. Um, and to come back from 13-6 down, a good turnaround against any team, especially the oldies. Uh, it, the worst part about it was it kind of undermines the Lions' achievement this year. I was about to say, you can't. surely you can't call a, a team average beating a side that, that pushed the Lions, albeit well, they got hammered in the last test. But Yeah, there is a difference between beating Australia in their own backyard, as the Lions did, mm. and, I think- and England beating them... When they're on the end of their, season. I think this is a this is an Australian team to forget. I suppose you can point to the fact that Australia are missing some pretty special talent from that backline as well. Indeed, they are. Yeah, when you look at the, you could potentially put Leo Lofana, Kurtley Beale, James O'Connor, James O'Connor, and uh, who's that? Beric Barnes as well. All players that would be certainly Paul Warwick. <laughs> yeah, he, he right. looked like he was forty-five. Um, on he, he looked stressed at the halftime. Was it was it Friday they played? It was Friday. Oh against, my god! It was looked, against Bath, wasn't it? He, he yeah. did look stressed. Uh, he looked like he'd lost his house, and yeah. you know he got gambling. He looked awful. 
Sorry, who missed three kicks in the first half? <laughs> Owen, Owen Farrell. Yeah, I said he didn't miss many kicks. Charlie Hodgson. <laughs> and uh, Andy Good. And if you've listened to previous podcasts, you'll know that JB's on a one-man mission to reinstate Charlie Hodgson as England and Saracens number 10. Yeah. He didn't have a bad second half, though, did he, to be fair? No. Yeah, scoring a try. Although the try yeah. itself, well, both tries are debatable mm. because of contentious officiating. So the first one, Mike Brown was in touch uh, when he received a kick on his own five-metre line that would have been an Australian five-metre mm. line-out. As it turned out, England, a minute later, got a five-metre line-out on the Australian um, try-line, and it was the charge-down yeah. kick. Did, it, did anyone feel that um, the actual atmosphere in Twickenham was a bit flat as well? I know. Clive Woodward did, but I, I didn't I, notice it. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the classic idiot Welshman thing and say, oh, Twickenham's always flat because it's not. And when it's really bouncing, it's great. But I just felt uh, it just, it's, uh, the whole experience was just a bit of a dampener. I thought that it was a pretty good atmosphere with like the 2003 mm. winners there and Bill being paraded around. Hmm. Bill. Hmm. The World Cup. What is it? Is it got a name? I'm sure people. I'm sure people were calling it Bill, weren't they? Did you know that, Tim? Well, I, I had never heard it referred to as <laughs> Bill, thought, but I, I like it. I was Bill <laughs> Beaumont or someone. I had no idea what you're on about. I love it. No, I'll go with that. Uh, should we just mention briefly uh, the high point of the international weekend? Japan, uh, it, New Zealand. Uh, no, it came in the England legends versus Australia legends. Oh, Have you seen yes. Steve Thompson's try? No. What? Oh, what? What? Oh, man. Uh, right, listen, honestly, I will, I will post a, a link at eggchasers.com and you're about to witness the joy of JB seeing this for the very first time. <laughs> oh, if you haven't seen it, you've got to. Let me get it up for you. And JB, who played hooker. Oh my god! You played I, hooker at the weekend. At the weekend. Uh, two, so we, two consecutive starts at hooker now. What a nightmare! So, so hold on, JB. So, so that is now um, only scrum half is the only position on a rugby field you've not played at senior level. It was scrum half joking? and hooker. You said scrum half and hooker a few weeks. Yeah, ago. you've not started for the first, first team. team. First you're not team. started for the first I team. I started first team at uh, fly half or scrum half. half. Everything else I have. Well, I've, I've I've played every position in the pack now. Wow, how'd it go? <laughs> Well, last week went all right. This week, not so well. Right, listen, so uh, England were 12-5 up. It was uh, just about 55 minutes into this game. Yeah, at which was, it was a 60-minute game as well. Yeah, it was a 60-minute game. So this was the dying dying embers of the match. Uh, the players were blowing. Uh, it was live on television and Steve Thompson. Why are Australia in green? They must have uh, cobbled it together at the last minute. Yeah, or I, I think they're very precious about their kit. Like oh, I, I like play, that. Playing in goal. No, I really like that as well. And you'll see, um, who was it, Leah Leofanu? Mm-hmm. who said uh, before he got that test match debut against the, the British Lions, he said he never, ever wore the Australia shirt. Never wore gold, like the, never even replica n- or no, anything. No, is that re- no replica Is kit. that because he's Fijian or something? <laughs> <laughs> that never, or was that because, okay. <laughs> he never wore gold, he never wore a replica shirt because he, he it is so special to him <laughs> yeah, putting that, on that jersey. I've, it, got, I've got my own suspicions there, thank you Tim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> straight, moving on from that... Um, no, 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 let's deal with this Steve. Yeah, okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's watch this. Right, 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 watch this, watch this. So for some unknown reason he found himself on the wing have a look. Oh my word! And then. What a beautiful dolly from Steve Thompson! Oh my god! I imagine that's what it's like watching Greg Wallace play rugby. <laughs> 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 I want to see Greg Wallace play rugby now. Apparently, he's quite good, you know. Really? Yeah, he's, really? he's, um, he's into some rugby club somewhere oh. in London. Yeah, he's a big the, rugby the fan. Very and last, a hooker. The very last little clip on that video is. Is that, Go- is is that Gomesol? Yeah, yeah Gomesol was, was there. There was uh, Tom, Tom Reese, Jason Robinson. I'm guessing Healy didn't get Will, invited. Will Greenwood. There, here he goes, here he goes. Look at that step. Oh, he's still got it. Oh, wow. I don't know who the Australian who, winger was. Yeah, who's trying to chase him? It's a pretty abrupt stop on his dive. Boom. Bang. Fair play. Look at him go. Wow. The very last second when uh, Ben Kay passes him like uh, an oxygen mask. It's quite good. There we go. <laughs> ben Kay did um, after dinner speaking thing after um, Corporate Sevens thing. Him and Healy have got the best double act you'll ever hear. Really? They are genuinely really funny. Really? Yeah. Well, good. Well, there you go. We'll have to book him. Yeah, well, let's book him for the... 
the, the trajectory we're on with the, the Telegraph get minus. It's, exactly. only, it's only a matter of time before the egg chasers are doing. And one day we will do that and end the season egg chasers dinner. Oh yes, yep. One day that's the dream, right? Uh, so okay then. Well, just staying with England, but moving sideways slightly. Clive Woodward, who you said was grumbling about the atmosphere, atmosphere at Twickenham, yeah. he said England need Danny Cipriani. That's a weird statement. It's a very weird statement. Uh, what, what I, th- I think basically what he was saying when you when you look into what he actually said was Stuart Lancaster is being a bit too safe and you need to have some players with a little bit of a maverick hmm. element. Now, obviously, Clive Woodward's goal when he was in charge was the World Cup and I think England's current goal should be the World Cup. The 2015, yeah. uh, only two years away. Now, if you look back at the tens that have played and won World Cup for the last three tournaments, mm-hmm. you've got, well, it was Aaron Cruden and Stephen Donald were playing for New Zealand yes. because of injuries. <laughs> um, Butch James mm-hmm. played for South Africa against Johnny Wilkinson, mm-hmm. and then Wilkinson, obviously, in 2003. They're not exactly, like, exciting tens. They're, they're more think, consistent, uh, solid. Butch James wasn't consistent. Would you class Butch? Well, no, he, he's he not. explosive. I mean, explosive not in, def- like... Yeah, explosive defence yeah. with no arms. He, oh, I, I actually he, love he's not, James. He's not explosive and exciting. He's not dynamic. Is he? He's not going to turn a game on its head. Yeah, and like again, you, you could say Dan Carter, obviously, like you say, he, didn't play a full part, but he's got the full package, so to speak. Yeah. Michael Liner was very much, uh, yeah, he was brilliant at passing and all the rest of it. He won the World Cup with Australia. Joel Stransky? Yeah. Grant Fox for New Zealand in the original World Cup, a proper just a machine at kicking who got the back line going a little bit. And uh, the South African when they won in '99, that was uh, uh, like Yanni De Beer or something like that. Well, no, Stransky uh, was it not? Joel Stransky was it? Joel Stransky? Yeah, De Beer did drop a load of goals, but it was Stransky that won the World Cup. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, yeah. the point being, I, I was along the similar lines as Phil. They are all really calm, consistent. Is probably the word. Larkham. Got one, didn't he? Did he win the World Cup? It's even like, well, who won it before him? When England? John Eales was captain. Was that 99? I think it is Gregan Larkham. Stephen Larkham uh, was the fly half. Yeah, and he, does, he, did, Australia. And he didn't even kick. Who was uh, kicking? Burke would, would, would have kicked, I imagine. No, you're absolutely right. Which that, that would derail the argument, I guess. Yeah, Woodward kind of contradicted himself because he picked Wilkinson, who was. Consistent. Yeah, but Wilkinson was everything. Well, yeah, true. He was the best player in the world at the time. Exactly. You've completely thrown me, too, because my whole thought on this was built on the fact that you had these consistent guys wearing the number 10 shirt oh, Larkin was con- for, team, for teams that won the World Cup. Larkin was consistent, just didn't kick. But he did have that kind of maverick flair, he did, didn't he? Yeah. He was incredible. An anomaly. So there's one out of six, seven. Clive Woodward's comments, I feel, were a little bit off. Do we agree on that? Yeah, I, they're and a little I, bit sour, right? Yeah, yeah. No, has, he, has he got an auto, another autobiography coming up anytime soon? Yeah. I, I was sort of does going, he need a few more million? Yeah, I don't does know. He, does he see Stuart Lancaster sort of progressing and wants to be the only England coach to have won the World Cup? <laughs> well, here's well, here's a quote. I, 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 actually, I think he might because he sabotaged him pretty well by leaving Andy Robinson in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have Danny Cipriani in an England squad? Uh, not at the moment. I think we, we discussed this a few weeks ago that. I said I wouldn't have him anywhere near my squad because of, of who he is. But actually, as a player, he's not doing too too badly. I mean, you uh, you see him up close pretty much most weeks now, and his defence seems seems to have improved. He certainly gives a gives a spark. There's no two ways about that. There's a switch been flicked in in his brain. He's sort of turned back on to rugby a bit. I think, like you said, that I don't think it's necessarily that. The coaches have taught him how to tackle. I think actually, just his mentality, his approach to the yeah. game, is is a bit more commitment and he, uh, a he bit made, more grit. To yeah, because he made a phenomenal uh, cover tackle a few weeks ago. Try yeah, and he, against Wasps. His defence wasn't in question at the weekend. What was in question maybe for Cipriani was why on earth he kicked the ball dead when Sale were two points behind mm. Exeter. Dan Braid, the Sale Sharks captain, screamed at him, was fuming, and Danny Cipriani you saw the sort of penny drop, and he uh, he obviously lost where he was on the pitch and what was going on for uh, yeah. that's not what you want from your 10 game management is should be right up there what's the point of, in, of international rugby it's ultimately to go and win six nations maybe a world cup certainly yeah now i don't see flood or fire winning a world cup ever do you not reckon no absolutely 100% not they've got the most turgid boring section of 10s ever to play 
international rugby. <laughs> England. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could throw someone like um, Dan Bigger in there to really, you know, mix it up with, with uh, boring tens. So how much of a better Rant. England team do you think it would be with someone like Johnny, ah. Johnny Sexton or Dan Carter in the, in the oh, 15? Well, not necessarily Dan, um, Dan Carter or Johnny Sexton. I, I would just say Cipriani gives you that chance to win any game, whereas Flood and Farrell give you a chance to win 80% of games. And that's not good enough to win a World Cup. Well, no, I think it's. I think that is better to win a World Cup. Like all, all of the games are. If you look at the scores from World Cup finals gone by, they're all incredibly close games. Look at uh, two years ago, eight nine to New Zealand, mm-hmm. and then the England Australia that was um, what seventeen twenty. Yeah, but they're not going to get to the final with. Toby Flood or or Farrell, it it just won't happen. Oh, I, I disagree. Like knockout rugby is such fine margins these days that you've got to have someone who's consistently on top of their game and consistently mm. taking three points, um, because unfortunately that's what it comes down to. At the moment. England will never be the best team in the World Cup. If you're the best team in, in, in the world in, in in the world, I think you can get away with a, with a consistent playoff. If you're not, you're gonna have to try try, try something try something different. That's no. what Cipriani is. Here's what I think uh, England's tactic is because yeah, quite rightly, they're not the best team in the world. They're not even in the top three teams in the mm. world. Um, the chances of them at this stage winning a World Cup, you would have to bet against it. Although there are green shoots, I think, with some of the young players coming through. But right. What England can do, as Phil said, is grind out tight matches like they did against well, Australia by by playing territory and having a ten with game management and consistency. Get them in the right area of the pitch and then grind out penalties and score. It's really boring, but, but that's actually that's how World Cups are won. Well, can I give you a great example yeah. um, of the opposite, which was Dan Carter's um, all-conquering Crusaders team with uh, with metronomic Dan at the helm getting beaten by a Queensland Red, Reds team which everyone thought had no right to even be there and with, that was all based, yeah, based on the genius of Quade Cooper yeah so I mean if they just get hot, yeah. at, hot at, at the right time with, with, with the right talent who, who knows well I'll go along with what Phil says in that if, if he keeps this new leaf which seems to have been turned over and shows a bit of consistency it would be useful to have him in the squad I actually think Danny Cipriani firing, I'd rather have in the squad than Freddie Burns, yep. who kind of does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the only other guy, in, any other English fly half who can really play a ball well. Actually, I'm not going to go here. Okay, I will. Um, Andy Good. No, Ryan Lamb. I love Andy Good. Oh, Ra- Ryan, Ryan, Lamb. Lamb. Ryan Lamb's got no. a great wide game. But, uh, yeah, okay, he misses yeah. everything else. I don't know why I mentioned uh, Brad Lamb. <laughs> no, just he should be bottom of the oh, You, you gave some about? great arguments and some great suggestions until that Hey, guys, moment. what about Ryan Lamb? <laughs> Shut up, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's go from one fly-off to another. Um, James O'Connor is now in the English game. Well, brilliant is that? To have him, he's been uh, signed up to the end of the season by London Irish. Well, I, I mentioned another fly-half, but he has been signed, and Brian Smith is going overboard to emphasise he's a, they're playing him a full-back. Um, I think that's where James O'Connor he, wants to play. Yeah, he looked awesome. He, he did. He looked it very absolutely good. Absolutely spectacular. Um, he was pretty much every time beating the first man or first couple of men and making yeah. yards, offloading. He, he looked. I he think, looked very comfortable against yeah. what is a very good Northampton team that took Saracens apart mm. last last weekend. They, all they needed really was for one of those offloads to come off. I mean, well, maybe he was careless. One, one with the ball. did, but they wanted another one. Yeah, when, uh, every time he's getting the ball, he looks great. Really, uh, yeah. really, really exceptional player. Interestingly, James O'Connor said that he found that game a step up in terms of pace from yeah. Super 15 rugby. I find that surprised me. I find that very surprising. Maybe in terms of pace. Um, I mean, it depends what you mean by pace. I mean, does he mean like how how fast the ball is moved away from the breakdown, or how fast the forwards are pl- ploughing into rocks? You know, there was also a, another surprising comment from Brian Smith, um, just because it was a ridiculous statement. He said, um, I'll, "I'll find the actual comment." He said, uh, "Yeah, James O'Connor had a great game. We're all going to go out and get bladdered." Uh, no. <laughs> James is staying in, of course. James has assured me he'll be at the team meeting on time and not drunk. James is, in fact, a part-time Justin Bieber lookalike. No? Here we go. Any no, non, none of those excellent suggestions, Cocker. He said he's 23 and still just a kid who gets up in the morning and puts his trousers on one leg at a time like everyone else. 
We've what? actually we've actually got a lad called Mark McConnell in Broughton Park who jumps into his shorts. <laughs> so <laughs> don't know what I mean. So, like I, everyone else apart from Mark McConnell. Mark McConnell so he, he, he can pipe down. That is a good trick, actually. It's incredible. Uh, Brian Smith may as well have just like had. James O'Connor next to him and patted him on the head, like, <laughs> yeah. like a like a dad. It's incredible that he's he's twenty three and he's got forty four international caps. Is that it? That's it. Wow. Yeah. The latest news story about James O'Connor that oh, yes, must please. have happened in the last couple of hours. Uh, James O'Connor has been reportedly spotted in Toulon twenty four hours after his London Irish debut. Oh. So he's already. Potentially being poached by London Irish South. Oh. <laughs> After. London Irish on sea. On the same day that London Irish West fullback. Um, Anthony what's it, Watson. Anthony Watson has been called up into the full in, England international squ- squad. He has been spotted having oh, discussions. James, why break our hearts? Why play with us? Hang on a minute. I wonder how Halfpenny feels about all this. Oh. oh. Uh oh. <laughs> They've still got. Dylan Armitage. Goodbye, Dylan. <laughs> See you around, mate. Yeah, James O'Connor and Lee Halfpenny. Uh, yeah, wow. but... I mean, Competing I, for 15. I assume they'd only go for one of them. You can afford two. Why not? Hmm. Don't know. Jay, it's do you the... want the Lamborghini or the Ferrari? You can, you can, can, you can have both. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's uh, interesting breaking news. Good Lord, imagine that... But... That, that back line with O'Connor, who can play anywhere. Oh, my... Nothing like that happens by accident, does it? It's like O'Connor was photographed at the training <laughs> ground. He was spotted at the training ground, handling a large envelope full of cash, <laughs> stuffing it down his trousers, which he put on one leg after the other. <laughs> Cheers, Brian Smith. Unless it was Justin Bieber on tour uh, in the uh, south of France. Did he have a pet monkey? <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait that, for... That, uh, that, that's the only, that's the, only, the only distinguishing feature, one has a monkey. <laughs> we'll wait for a development on this. But, of course, James O'Connor, the reason he was released by the Australian Rugby Union early this year was due to an issue which involved alcohol. And that's not the only story in 2013 involving rugby players and alcohol and most recently Mike Phillips yeah right he, he has like, he has been confirmed that he's been sacked by yep. Bayonne yep. because Gold. there was a little bit of a speculation that it was announced and then the club denied it and then it was re-announced they have fined and suspended um, a couple of other players Stephen that were involved Brett. in the yeah, in the incident but they've completely sacked and terminated the contract of Mike Phillips wow yeah. Just another one. It's it's slightly off topic. Oh well, it's, it's, it's rugby league. Um, Gareth Gareth Hock. Yeah. It's, so that's that's three in the last couple of months. Three very high profile, all internationals who've had bans or suspensions because of alcohol. Uh, this is my take on the drinking thing. I like a drink as much as <laughs> much as the next guy. You and I, Phil, and, and you, Tim. We we all know guys that drink an awful lot through rugby. However, I've never met a guy ever. That drinks on a work day and goes to goes to work drunk. I just, I, I mean, I can imagine they've gone in hungover. There's a stag do over the summer, um, where I was, I was just coming back from a shoulder injury, um, and I shouldn't really have been playing. This is last summer, and so we've been out on the Saturday night, and the game was on the Sunday afternoon. Just to cement the fact that I wasn't playing, I decided to have a couple of cans oh, over, yeah. over breakfast. Oh, okay, well. And then a couple more. And after I had about six or seven cans, I was like, you know what? I'm actually feeling all right. <laughs> I think I'll be all right, yeah. <laughs> I ended up playing 18 minutes. Do you know coach? Give me a shot. But I just can't see. Like, they, they said as well, um, the turn of the one to show up drunk, allegedly, was um, referee... Idiot referee. Uh, Bryce Lawrence. No, bigger idiot. I was going to say, take your pick. No, uh, the biggest idiot. Wayne Barton, no. Uh, no, bigger, oh, bigger. Oh, 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 the one that... Uh, Stratospherically... The French one. No, oh. bigger. <laughs> not Roman Poit, uh, no. Oh. Not Alan Roland. No! <laughs> What's his name? Um, the guy. Nigel, the guy. Nigel, I can't Nigel think Owens. of any other referees. Nigel Owens. Nigel Owens is, 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 is the best ref on Joubert. the planet. No, you're, as is soon it as not the, Bryce Lawrence? No, the, no, no, no. It's the other guy. Uh, is it the guy that, that's got the, the sort of yes. side parting? No, the, the big New Zealand guy. Yes, that, what's <laughs> yes. that guy? The big New Zealand chap. Oh, he's an idiot. No, not Glenn. Steve Jackson. Walsh. Steve, Steve Walsh. Walsh. That's it. Yeah. Right. Steve Walsh, such an idiot that after he got kicked kicked out, he went over to Australia to ref a few games there, and went right to the top of the refing tree. He's got a tattoo down his arm saying, "He controls himself, controls the game." Really, Steve? Really? 
So if it were, like when he refs now, he's done. He refed it twice with this stupid tattoo, which he'd put up. You know, he, every time there's a penalty, it was it was. Oh very, very prevalent. no! Yeah, so he's, he's like that. Has anyway. he been forced to wear long sleeves? No, he's been forced to wear a plaster. <laughs> That'll teach him. Can he not control himself by not getting a tattoo? That that would be more more <laughs> impressive. Wow. But again, I, I just don't believe people have a few shots of vodka in the morning and then turn up to Western Force training. No, but if you are that hungover the next day that is like affecting whatever, or meaning that you're not turning up or late, yeah. or like James O'Connor was... Uh, it's not acceptable. ...stopped from getting on a flight. That must be drunk. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's pr- <laughs> that might yeah, be drunk. No, I do still think that there's yeah, okay. a, a place for like the social side of rugby, but even at, even at the top level... Team bonding, that kind of thing, at the right time when it's organised and when it's like it's not every week. There was um, quite a good story on the England Legends game. Uh, I don't know if you saw the kind of post-match chat with Gomesol and Will Greenwood and Sterling Mortlock. And because Gomesol was in the World Cup squad but didn't make the 22 for the, the match. Oh, he's awesome actually. Yeah. And they were having a chat with him about that. I think Greenwood said, "What was in those water bottles?" Because apparently they were seen on the sideline with a like you know the big Lucasid sports bottles. And he said that it was. Uh, Vodka and Coke, basically, in most of them. <laughs> but they said that because they were right on the side of the pitch, like in the stand, and they're all pretty merry, one of the water bottles, the uh, magic water bottles, dropped down onto the pitch and Jason Leonard went to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the fun bus. It's one of the great things about rugby is the social side of it, and we're not trying to glorify uh, alcohol or anything like that. No, speak, in moderation. Speak for yourself. I mean, that is that that, that that's what the what they're known for. That's, that's what rugby matches we're going to watch. They're renowned for playing in the club. They're renowned for. That's one thing I do like about rugby is no one frowns upon teammates winning a match and then going out and getting absolutely plastered. There is uh, something in that, actually. If, if there was footballers, I think, and, and you saw a picture of someone get, you know, staggering home at four in the morning after a win, people would somehow go, oh, that's unprofessional or the rest of it. And rubbish, frankly. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're allowed to look after your body all that time and have that discipline and then you have a big win, fine, go for it. Have a night out with the boys. Yeah, no. you've got a night off. In my, in my day job... I work in financial services, and I was speaking to a guy who's speaking to another guy who deals with some football players from a very large club from around the Manchester area. And apparently one of the games that they used to play was um, they'd all go out on a night out, and the guy who brings the least cash on the night out pays for the night out. I've heard that as well. That is a, that is a tremendous Seriously. game. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why people don't like, don't like footballers drinking. I don't know. But how, well, actually, you, you once told me a stat that... Um, a million euros will fit inside a cereal box. Yes, that's right. Uh, a million euros in 500 uh, euro denomination notes will fit inside a cereal bo- box. So you could have <laughs> footballers on a night out with that a cereal box. That quantity of cash. <laughs> so, so, like a little Louis Vuitton bag or whatever the kind of crap that they carry around with them. <laughs> so if you, see, if you see Joe Hart with some Golden Grahams... Get then, him, uh, get him. <laughs> just stick by him, you'll, you'll have a good night. Uh, right, so there we go. That's it. That's drinking put to bed. Um, uh, so that's drinking dealt with. Now we are going to pick another dream team. A Halloween 15. It was Halloween since our, our last podcast. Did you get bugged by trick-or-treaters knocking on the door? Uh, no. I was training. Not, yeah, so no idea. Training. What was I doing? Training. You've been training. Th- it was Thursday. It was a Thursday night. Oh, Thursday. Night. It's training. Mm. <laughs> well, there you go. So we've had our Halloween 15. I, I thought, let's pick a team of rugby players, a 15, 1 to 15, a team of players who would be least likely to need a Halloween outfit to go <laughs> trick or treating. <laughs> so, um, the scariest looking rugby yeah. players. Yeah. I'd say so. Most, most intimidating, scary. Right. So, so, if we go 1 to 15, then. Let me kick it off with Graham Rountree. Yes. Those ears. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mag- magnificent specimen. <sighs> Great scrimmager. And, and good coach as well. Uh, apparently he's a fantastic coach. Yeah, but... Those in ears. fact... I think he definitely... Oh, sorry, go on. In fact... I was going to say, you probably make an argument for um, Roundtree, Cockrell and Garforth. Oh, all through. That, yeah. That, that Leicester trio, yeah. They were. They are horrendous looking men, in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, although Cockrell, he doesn't, you know, he's he's looks better now than he did as a player. Mm. <laughs> I, I think actually Graham Rountree's a great shout, and he would he would probably would pick my suggestion, which was going to be Gertrude Steenkamp, the oh, he's a weird looking fella, big South African. Yeah, said. he is a scary looking fella. Isn't he? He's, he's a strange looking fella. He's an I, awful looking. Man. I don't think he's a particularly good prop either. 
They he's, got a, he's got a lot of caps for South Africa, hasn't he? Anyway, anyway, yeah. Um, another prop is because his face looks—it looks like it's made of rubber to me. It looks like it's already um, a Halloween mask. mask. Yeah, uh, Mako Vunipola. And, oh and yeah, he looks like he's aged. He looks like he's had a very hard, he, hard life so far. He, I know. I want to see that passport. There's a lots of rumours <laughs> about South Sea Islanders and uh, Vun- questionable passport. Twenty one, yeah. really? Yeah, Mako Vunipola from Transylvania. Uh, yeah, Ooh. he does have a kind of a gargoyled look. Yeah, uh, and another prop just because of his name. Come the Beast. Which one? What? Sorry, <laughs> the, I the beast. You about hookers. Then sorry, I'm, I'm all the over beast. this. The beast. The beast. Yes, that's a fair shout. Paul James. Oh, he looks dreadful now. <laughs> Paul yeah. James, the whales in bath prop. And that's reminding me of uh, Craig Mitchell, the whales prop. Oh God, no! Is it no? Yap is a, a pretty nasty looking. No, yeah. well, Yap's intimidating, but uh, not. I don't think he looks as bad as uh, Mitchell. What about the recently retired uh, Duncan Bell? Oh yeah, human- no. I mean, he make the big head fifteen that we keep talking about doing one day. <laughs> Duncan well. Bell looks like the kind of nice guy that that would, that, that would dress up as Santa around Christmas. Yeah, he's too, <laughs> like too friendly. Jo- yeah, yeah, he's too jolly, I, jolly I like, fat guy. I'd like to meet Duncan Bell. He seems like a great guy. He'd definitely be wearing a Hawaiian shirt if you meet him. I'd, I'd say so, or driving a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Budgeon would be a scary man yeah. to, oh, perfect. to have. Chris no, he wouldn't actually be able to knock on the door. He'd have to headbutt the door because his arms are too short <laughs> to actually knock. Yeah, if you went up to like a, a like a ghostly manor and knocked on the door, and Chris Budgeon in a suit opened it, you know, <laughs> you, you, you're at the right place. <laughs> Are there any hookers then? Um, I mean Steve Thompson Steve Thompson yeah in, in that match as well Savat oh, William Savat William Savat yes. the contrast between him and Zazewski wow. Steve Thompson for, for for looking said himself he looked like the hunchback in Notre Dame oh that's <laughs> a good point we'll, we'll just get, we'll, we'll stick with that as, for our front row as ever you can make your suggestions and tell us if we're right or wrong and who deserves a shirt more at Rugby Podcast on Twitter or eggchasers.com. Second row, I bet we all agree on one name. Go on. Yes, I know who you're going to say. Well, go on, you say it. You say it. Leo, Leo Cullen. Cullen. Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Captain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Leo. <laughs> Go to bed now, kids. He's won the Heineken Cup twice. He's lifted it. Three times. Three times. Three times in four years. How, how about with Leicester? Uh, well, we know he's won, won it with, with Leinster. Yeah, he won it three times with Leinster. And he played for Leicester. So he's got Good some tonight. pedigree. He's got some serious pedigree, but he's got the the ultimate pedigree when it comes to a Halloween fifteen. I think we're both <laughs> all in agreement that he's a, a captain. A, a Go to bed, kids! Or Leo's coming. Is <laughs> <laughs> Leo the second row partner? Potentially Steve Borthwick. Oh no! I, I do you know. I don't know if it's just because I fear him as a man and as a player. Martin Johnson is terrifying. He is <laughs> terrifying. He's got that. I think there's exactly what you picked up on Phil with uh, Macob and Napoli. He's got that sort of plasticine face. Oh. Yeah, uh, age beyond his years. I'll go with that. Jono and Leo Cullen. But again, everyone seems to have a Leicester connection at some yeah. point. Well, big, of course. big Leicester. That's why they're so successful. Into the back row. Neil back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm amazed you didn't put Jacques Berger first. Every bit of his face is put in a different direction. He has got a phenomenal face. Did he tackle with his face? Was that his primary (laughs) tackling weapon? And um, in terms of back row, Phil War. Yeah, we we, we mentioned him the other week. What a strange-looking man. Lovely guy. He looks, yeah, he's a bit like the jolly fat guy, I I think. No. Do you know He's sinister. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, let's just be really clear. We're we're making absolutely, casting no aspersions on these guys. They're all elite athletes and fine rugby players and and, and, and great men, but we are are just... We are, we're putting them in a Halloween rugby team. I mean, that's that's quite a big statement. (laughs) It's purely based on the way that they look. (laughs) Yeah, there is no... (laughs) Okay, fine. Mamuka Gorgodza. Is terrifying. Oh, he's a terrifying man. Yeah, yeah he's got a gargoyle-esque kind of look, hasn't he's he? Got, I can imagine him carrying a club. And I mean, <laughs> in like the Halloween living thing. under a bridge. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can always imagine. I almost imagine because such a massive man being the kind of man who slays monsters. That kind of guy. <laughs> well, we could do Gorgonzola as a put Jacques right. Berger at Done. six. Jacques Berger, 
Phil War, Mamuka Gorgodza, back oh, row. That's yeah. a fine back row. Yeah. It is now, now our job gets difficult, gents, because we've got to try and pick a Halloween 15 from the pretty boys in the backs. Scrum off might be difficult. Rupert Moon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> move on. Let's, uh, let's move on. Done. What about Peter Stringer? Oh, Peter Stringer. <laughs> How could you forget Peter Stringer? Goodness me. He's having uh, a great season as well, isn't he? he and, uh, wow, isn't he just? Because like, also Rupert Moon with the name Moon, Full Moon, all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. going Rupert Moon's in. Fly what? half then. Have we already decided it's going to be Neil Jenkins? Neil Jenkins, yeah. Done. The, the only on. man that can push him close is Andy Good. Andy Good. But not close enough. No. Nah. No. That's a brilliant pair of halfbacks there. <laughs> Rupert Moon and Neil Jenkins. Uh, well, actually, you, you say it's a brilliant pair, pair of halfbacks. You, 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 you've got to remember, I've actually watched them play and they weren't a brilliant <laughs> pair of halfbacks. OK, then, into the centres. I bet there's another name we've all, all thought of for a centre. On three? Should we say, <laughs> yeah. What? One, two, three. Mike, Mike Tindall. Tindall. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've written specifically Mike Tindall's nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost more, it's almost impressive how how far across his face is no well, from, from one side to the other as well. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is really frightening in the centres? I mean, sure, there's loads, but Shanklin. Oh, well done. Oh yeah, I like I like Shanklin as well. As a, uh, that's a that's a good that's a great suggestion. Great player. Let's go. Let's go with that then. Shanklin and uh, Tyndall as a centre pairing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Getting into the outside backs and getting, getting tricky. Gareth Thomas. I had Gareth Thomas. Oh, my God. Like, it's scary. If you look at him with his top off, and there are plenty of pictures of that now. Um, <laughs> and now. <laughs> if you look at him with his, um, with his tattoos, he looks like he's a member of the occult or something. Oh, yeah, he has got loads of tattoos. Yeah, he's got, like, silly, like, yeah, mafia, uh, Russian mafia stars and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Done. Luke Rooney is one... That's got a, who's a, Luke, Luke Rooney? For, you mean look. the guy who's played Stade Francais? See, look, that's uh, Gareth Thomas. Look at his tattoos. In fine shape, though. Yeah, it, it's, it's the one of the star which really get, gets me on his elbow. Why do you want a star on your elbow? He's in good shape, though, though. Yeah, he is. Airbrushed? Uh, possibly. Mm. Right, I'm about to show you a picture of Luke Rooney, which has been—it's been done by a professional photographer. He's trying, and it's like a—it's like a photo shoot shot. So he's trying to look. I think he's played for Melbourne Rebels as well. He's trying to look as good as he possibly can. So this is as <laughs> this is as good as Luke Rooney could, oh, could ever possibly look. I'll show you two pictures. This one, firstly. Oh Ooh. God. Second one. <laughs> 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 action shot he looks like a filter feeder he does I know what you mean the fish yeah hmm um Banahan I'm not I'm not, I'm not content with putting Banahan in no, no neither am I actually looking at him no I'm, he's not quite there I mean this is the story of Banahan's life isn't it he's not quite there <laughs> this doesn't quite <laughs> make the cut yeah oh good night um <laughs> yes I can't remember his name. Yes. Oh, um, Irish him. winger, tall, massive. Shane Horgan. Shane, Shane Horgan. <laughs> yes. yes. Fifteen. Shane Horgan, you're in. We sat next to a woman, uh, Jay, at a Man City match, whose ex-boyfriend was oh, Shane yeah. Horgan. Do you remember? Yeah, I do actually. She's now dating uh, Duffy. Send him on Duffy. Some guitarist from some the cult. The cult. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, she she was nice. I enjoyed yeah, was, I enjoyed her enjoyed her company. And I bet you, if we look, in fact, I bet you, if we look, AJ, her name's AJ. Yeah, it so. is. Hi, AJ. Call uh, me AJ <laughs> <laughs> anytime. Look at that that mismatch. Leo Cullen's wife. Let's have a look. Oh my word! She's lovely. Wow. Hang on a minute. She's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> is she being is, book? is she is being it? held against their will? <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally. Um, He's got a book called Leo. That's he has. a book launch. He has. He's, he's got a book. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind reading that. I'm not going to read it. Um, I, well, unlike normally with autobiographies, you skip straight to the photographs. Yeah. <laughs> they, maybe not. <laughs> Why are there no photos in this? But what a distinguished, brilliant career he's had, uh, as of all the players. And what a brilliant uh, Dream Team 15. If you want to make a comment and agree or disagree with any of them, uh, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter and... Eggchasers.com. That's right. I just thought of one that could have got in the, in the front row. Fran Cotton could have made it into the front uh, row. Oh, yes, yeah. he could have. See, see, there's always names that we've missed. Uh, get yours in. Uh, something a bit light-hearted to, to finish off on today's podcast and a return of 
rugby okay. Yes. <laughs> With a slight difference. It's taken us all by surprise. No one, not one of us thought that this would take on the life that it has taken. It all started. Do you remember what started it? Rugby okay. Alex Corbusiero. <laughs> Well, it is Calvisiero, right? Yeah, Alex Calvisiero rapping. Let's let's go back to where it all began. Uh, rugby players um, and their secret love of uh, having a sing song, or in the case of Calvisiero, a rap. Keep it kind of quiet. People on a diet. Scrum is straight, term is right. I don't deny it. Test me, try it. Stocky, don't buy it. I'ma grab the microphone and start to fly it up, up high. Grab the mic and make you cry. Told you before we represent LI, London Irish. You can't deny this. So so sick of tenants. You can't buy this. Have we played that in every episode so yeah, far? Yeah. <laughs> Most right, song, rightly so. Most songs get old, don't they? <laughs> yeah, that's getting better every it time does. I listen to it. <laughs> it's a grower, without a doubt. Um, mm. But and, and it's with London Irish we stay. I mean, we've gone from uh, Alex Corbusier's rap, Matt Stevens singing on X Factor and on Rugby Tonight. And um, Ben Foden. Ben Foden Ricky on his own Flutie. website. Oh, by the way, we've got a Christmas special for Ben Foden. I can't wait for Christmas, <laughs> just for the be- uh, just to unwrap my Ben Foden present. <laughs> we still haven't had any contact from Carl Ferns, uh, Bath's back row player, who we have on good authority does a mean Michael Bublé impression. Uh, we need evidence oh, of that. Oh, did we not get a tweet from yes, Carl Ferns? we have got a tweet from Carl Ferns saying he'd be up for it. He's saying he'd be up for yeah. it. And the uh, secret contact, which I mentioned, that uh, says he knows Carl Ferns, has confirmed that he will do it. So we just need to get that recorded and done. Well, good to hear from you, uh, Carl, at Rugby Podcast. Uh, Carl Ferns has been getting t- in touch with us. Um, yes, th- that's our mission. By the end of the year, we want Carl Ferns doing Michael Bublé, if not wonderful. before. Uh, but we're actually going to stick with London Irish. Uh, now, this is a host of London Irish players who have taken part in doing what some clubs have done and coming up with a club song, an official club song. And before I do this, I've actually got this from London Irish. Well, I've got some spies in the camp at London Irish, as you, as you know. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I may well have a brother that plays there. but uh, And I know that he was one of the people that got roped into singing this. And basically what happened was they were going to do this song. Some people, they needed to make up the choir. And they just ended up giving that duty to all of the new boys at the club. So uh, it was Matt Parr, Alex Lewington, uh, Nick Rouse... <laughs> and Salosi S- Tangy Thackenbau was meant to do it but was mysteriously late and missed that appointment oh, how convenient so, so you're hearing uh, James O'Connor miss it James O'Connor <laughs> he wasn't there at the time but uh, I'm, sure he, I'm sure he would have loved it too long clips on yeah <laughs> Well, you'll be able to do uh, what's the what's the too long pre-game nope. thing? The the P- Pilu. That's Pilu? awesome. That is that, that's brilliant. We'll get on to that in a yeah, second. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> this is London Irish's new club song. What? And you hear the London Irish players. There they are. Fight for the shamrock and the sword. What's it? Warriors. What's the Warriors? No, no. <laughs> we get knocked down and we get back up. There you go. That's London Irish's club song. This is what happens, right, when you have a 50-year-old white man in charge of marketing. What was the purpose of that? What's their aim yeah, with that? A, well, I, I think after the long and successful run of other club songs, like the Liverpool song, the, the United song, uh, John Barnes, didn't John, he do something? John Barnes' rap. Yeah. For the, New Order. That was a great song. That is, that's not bad, actually. That's an awesome it's, song. Uh, it's not awesome. It's not as good as Alex Cobbisiero's rap. No, nothing. <laughs> In fact, if we could get... That's, that's the other dream for the Egg Chasers, to get Alex Cobbisiero versus John Barnes in a rap <laughs> Oh, my word. Imagine that. If someone can mix that for us. Uh, so what do you make? Uh, we've, got, we've got some of the London Irish players there taking part in that. It's, it's all right, isn't it? They've got themselves an anthem. Is, is it why? That? Why? Uh, yeah, why? I don't see the point. Uh, do they have to play that tune in the, in the half-empty... Well, half-empty. Uh, they'll be lucky. Um, <laughs> Medeski Stadium to get them sick. This just is such a... It's odd. Is it not to fire them up before the game in their changing rooms? It'd make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> it's well, weird. If we look at the... Because Worcester Warriors did this. Um, Why? Why? I, I just don't understand. But, but this is part of a, a wider issue. Is there a single good rugby song? Because actually, Other you know... Than you than UB40. <laughs> Swing Low Sweet Chariot. The one. worst song oh, of all time. God, that was horrible. That was horrible. 
it genuinely, have rugby fans, have supporters got a problem coming up with a decent song? And maybe this is part of the reason why clubs feel compelled to make these official songs. Because when you go to any ground in the land, if you go to um, the AJ Bell Stadium in Manchester yeah. Sol- or Salford, oh. what do you get? Sail, sail. You, know. you go to King's Home, Luster, Luster. Baths uh, at the wreck. I used to live in Bath, and uh, I, I all they do is go Bath, 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 Bath. Exeter, Chief, 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 uh, Chief. That's Chief. Not Exeter have got that. Um, oh, oh, yeah, that is good. It's right. quite good. I just want to give a little bit of credit to some Sail Sharks fans because they did they did try something different. They do a thing now when someone knocks it on, they do the French national anthem. Oh, that, they've been doing that yeah. in Millennium Stadium for ages. Millennium Stadium, yeah. I know lots of places have done it. He knocked it on, he knocked it on, knocked it on, yeah. he knocked it on, he knocked it on, they he knocked it And it worked quite well against the French team they played, Beeritz. Ah, and actually it was a horrible game. So there was, it was a horrible game, lots of knock-ons. At uni, we had like a, there was a social team that played... On uh, Saturday or Sundays, one person would always bring uh, like a speaker system, cassette player to the match to play sounds during the game. <laughs> so you'd have like circus circus music if someone knocks it on. So and a casualty theme tune for when when someone was injured. When the air ambulance is laughing. Uh, right, because I am the match announcer at Sail Sharks. I am going to make a. I'm going to go straight to Brian Kennedy and say, "BK, come on, let's get it done." Um, I, I found another one here. Um, here we go is an official song for Saracens. Here we go. Oh, dear. my God. Northern soul. Yeah. He can't help himself, can he? Big bad wolves are in town and we'll howl at the Morrington. moon while we knock you around. I like the clown music. What? What? I think we've got a problem in the game of rugby. We've been we've been debating all these issues in rugby. This is the biggest pressing and it was issue. right there in front of our noses. Wow. What's going on, guys? I, 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 well, for start, it's an English uh, rugby problem, not a Welsh, not a Welsh <laughs> rugby problem. That, that's the first thing. Because uh, I would like to say that the Welsh actually do singing in rugby games very well. Do you know Red what? Um, a Welsh male voice choir. Wonderful. Um, wonderful. There is not, there, genuinely, there is no finer sound... Uh, at a rugby game, I agree with that. Yeah, um, and also the Welsh have got the hymns, and actually Eng- the English, to be fair, have got a hymn. That's how rugby songs should be done. This is nonsense. Yeah, this is awful. Should we hear how uh, they do it in Ireland? No. Oh, go on then. Oh yeah. Uh, this is Munster. They've got a song oh, which Mun- they play at Toman Park um, before every single game, and that's a venue that's known for its unique atmosphere. So, and, vi- and visiting teams often say it's a quite you know a really terrifying place to go and play. So this is the song at uh, Munster. Hold on. Do you want to hear the official one, or do you want to hear the Munster players singing it? Munster players. Oh, no. Right, this is the Munster players singing it in the dressing room after a game. That'd fire you up. If you had 20,000 people singing that, that'd do, that'd do the that business. That is awesome. <laughs> Compare that to oh, wow. Saracens. Oh. Here we go. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. Here we go. No. <laughs> there is no comparison, is there? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to that again as soon as I get home. That's incredible. It's good, eh? That's so much better. The other, the other thing about the Irish too, 
is they're not immune to these new songs. I mean, you know, I, I was going to say maybe that song's better because it's you know it's slightly older or whatever. But didn't someone fairly famous write the song which Ireland play? Yeah. Um, the, What's it called again? Ireland's uh, Call. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well that's well, also well, a great, Call. great song. Yeah, yeah. And that's so good, it can be done. That is a brilliant uh, anthem as well. So, are nice. we going to start up a campaign then? You know, Jamie Oliver's got schools, <laughs> right? Um, what, what are the other ones? There's campaign for real ale, mm-hmm. <laughs> campaign for real singing, real singing. I, I think I think that's, I think that's fair. I quite like that. The campaign for real singing, and we should going to name and shame every club which which does these stupid songs. Um, Saracens, I think, well, for me, the worst of the lot. Yeah, that was dreadful. What an earth. Uh, but they were champions that year, so... It's, it's still not acceptable. Mm. Um, slightly bittersweet there at the end. The, the beautiful sounds of Munster, uh, the shocking sounds of Saracens. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether we're sort of happy or sad that this podcast is coming to an end, but... Uh, I'm just happy I'm Welsh right now. You, you two should be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back on Friday for the shorter podcast where we preview the weekend's matches uh, the international games will take the centre stage for that one so do uh, download the one on Friday and have a listen thank you very much for listening to this one at Rugby Podcast on Twitter you can get in touch with us all through the week give us your thoughts and get involved and eggchasers.com nice one JB nice one Phil just um, should we be right here's a choice uh, we could either Munster you want to be sang out by Munster yeah I want to hear that again yeah. I'm going to learn that song I'm going to sing it right we're going to be played out by the Munster boys in the dressing room after a victory uh, singing their stupendous song Stand Up and Fight we'll see you next time It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.